Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Small towns seemingly have horrors that other places just don't have. There's nooks and crannies that secrets can just seemingly hide and be forgotten about. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true small town horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going. Coming from a small town myself, I can definitely attest to how creepy things can be in an area where not many people go. Secrets can seemingly just be buried and forgotten. This story began with me, my two cousins who I will call K and S, and my friend who I will call C, hearing about this weird house out in the woods just outside our small hometown. We were all curious about this house, so we decided to go check it out. We arrived at around 9pm. C thought it would be funny to jump out and scare us while we were waiting for him. While my cousins were yelling at him for scaring them, I swear I saw something moving around the edge of the woods. I just tried to tell myself it was a deer since I live in Pennsylvania, and we have almost way too many of them here. C tapped me on the shoulder and asked what I was looking at. I told him it was nothing, and said that we should begin to head into the woods now. We all grabbed our flashlights and headed in. Now, I have always been the type of kid that would wander into any set of woods or forest and enjoy the peace, but while we were walking, I felt nervous because there were no sounds. Not even crickets were chirping. I should have seen that as a red flag, but I did not want to be called out as a wimp or a scaredy cat. After some time of walking, I heard a strange noise about 50 feet away. It was almost like a small dog's bark, but it sounded weird. It was like a person making the noise. I thought nothing of it, telling myself it was probably just a sick coyote. We could finally see the house up ahead of us. It was very run down, and it looked like it was on the verge of collapsing. It was about two stories and had a small porch and above the porch were some windows with what seemed to be plywood covering them from the inside. We looked for other ways in and found an iron basement door. After some arguing and a vote at it, we decided that I would open it up. As I opened it, I was blasted with an awful, putrid smell. It smelled like a dumpster mixed with rotting flesh. After forcing myself to not puke, I brought out my flashlight and shined it only to find what resembled a deer corpse. I mean, it looked like it was a deer. I could not really tell because it was so mangled and rotted. S and K were busy throwing up, and C was standing behind me covering his mouth and nose. I could swear 
I could hear a strange gurgling noise coming from inside the basement. But I said screw that and slammed the door shut. It slammed so hard that it was enough to shake the ground around us. We started to book it out of the woods and I could hear that same barking noise, only it was way closer. It was about 10 feet away from me. I could hear leaves crunching behind me, but I did not care to look behind at all. I could see C was already getting in his car. K and S were right by ours. We all got in. When I slammed my door shut, there was a huge thud not a second later. I yelled at K to start the car and we sped out of there. While leaving, I looked back to see a disturbing sight. It was a deer that had almost a human-looking face. It was smiling at me. This smile was ear to ear. Then, it started running back to the woods, but it looked so unnatural. When I got home, I did not tell my parents about what happened because they would never believe me. All of us kept what happened a secret for a long, long time. We were scared of being called lunatics and liars. Since then, I have never gone near those same woods though. I swear, I can hear that strange bark every so often, and I'm terrified to know what is causing that noise. I went to college in a small town in Mississippi. I worked at a grocery store where we had some very strange local characters come in daily. No one was too weird except for this one guy. I had been working there maybe three months when this guy comes stomping his feet in with every step, grabs a basket, and speeds his way around the store. Me being the people watcher I am, I just said what the heck is this guy's deal and kept watching him. I was a cashier there and he decided that he needed to check out in my line. I thought it was a little weird because the rest of the cashiers that day were pretty attractive college girls, and I'm a guy. I tried to make small talk with him, and he explained to me that he had been held captive in the woods in the Carolinas for the past 70 days or something like that, with the government running experiments on him. Obviously, this was an immediate red flag. With this guy's appearance, he was tall, overweight, with a bushy beard, long hair and sunglasses, and what he was telling me, I needed him to just leave. After ringing him up, he went to stand at the entrance, where he just stared outside at his creepy van that he pulled up in, pacing back and forth and huffing loudly. After doing this for maybe five minutes, he walked out, hopped into his van, and drove off like a bat out of hell. Thinking I would never have to deal with that guy again, I sighed and kind of just laughed it off. A couple more months went by, and he came back, and so it went. He would be gone a few weeks to months, and then return once again and leave. He had always come to me, and only me, to tell me these crazy stories of how he was being abducted and had to hide in the woods and Smoky Mountains. He would go on about how he was abducted and this and that. He even went so far as to explain to me what the inside of the spaceship had looked like. You're probably wondering why. I never called the cops. Well, I am a skeptical person, for one, and two, I thought it was extremely interesting. He was not causing anyone harm, and I got a kick out of it. Until one day, he came in acting extra sporadic and extra paranoid. A pregnant woman was standing next to him on one of the aisles and turned to make small talk. I know this because I always kept my eyes on the guy. He attacked the woman and punched her repeatedly in the stomach. He was shouting, you're harboring one of them, 
and it'll kill you if I don't kill it. Some extremely psychotic behavior. A few of the near men, including myself, jumped in and subdued the guy until the police came. By the time they got there, he had calmed down to his normal self. He told the police he did not have an identity because it was erased by the government. I told them all of the accounts I had with the guy, and no one ever knew anything of it. I don't know if anything ever came from it either. Another year and a half went by, and I was still working there. I never saw the guy again, and hopefully... He's long gone and locked up somewhere. I am 25 now, but this happened to me and my two best friends when we were about 17 or 18. We were in our senior year of high school, I know that much. My friend Sarah would spend summers with her dad in a very rural and small town about 48 minutes away from where I and her lived. Katie and I decided to spend the weekend with Sarah and were going to have some fun hiking and backyard camping, our usual teenage girl shenanigans. Sarah's dad had a large plot of land with hiking trails and lots of woods to explore. The back of the plot emptied out to a long decommissioned railroad track that ran through to the next town. We packed a satchel of snacks. I filled my camel pack and the three of us set off to walk the trails. I had my cell phone and Sarah had a pocket knife. Three teen girls, it was better safe than sorry. Her dad knew we were going out, and had my number if we did not come back in time. We walked around for a bit, laughing and talking and just having an overall good time. We made it to the train tracks and walked until we got to a bridge and decided to head back to the house. On the way back, we heard in the distance the roar of a four-wheeler engine, and it was getting closer by the minute. We rushed into the woods, hiding and staying silent. Sarah pulled her knife out. Katie and I each held a large rock. The four-wheeler slowly rolled past us where we were hiding before, speeding off again. We slunk out of the woods and kept walking on the tracks, scared but trying to stay calm. A few minutes later, we would hear this engine again approaching from the direction that it had sped off in before. It was scanning the woods, looking for us. We rushed back into the woods, hiding and more scared as they slowly rolled by again. This time they were silent except for the sound of the engine. They then suddenly sped off again, and we rushed back to the house, shaken up and decided not to tell her dad about it. I wish I had more closure. We never really did find out who the person was or why they never said anything. Even looking back now, I cannot help but think whatever their intentions were, were probably sinister. This may not be a super scary story, and I know it seems kind of sporadic and random, but thank you for sharing it if you do. There's just something super eerie about running into people you don't know in areas that aren't supposed to have a lot of people, especially out in small towns like this. You think people are nice, but I've seen the documentaries, and I just don't think that's the case. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
Hello, let me start off by introducing the characters. Me, which will be the first view and perception on this. My dad, who has been a cop for 23 years, is the other perspective. There are a few more important people to understand. Currently, I was around 12. I grew up in a small town, but not a poor town by any means. Most people that lived here are very wealthy and work extremely hard to remain so. This is important so you can understand how shocked everyone in my community was. The main character's name is Azza. For privacy reasons, I will be changing everyone's name in the story besides his. I will change my dad's name to Smith and my brother's name to Jaden. I will also be referring to myself as I, just so there is no confusion. The way I got to know Azza was by his brother. He had three brothers, and they all had some sort of mental or physical disability. Azza's brother, Ted, kind of grew up with me. He was homeschooled off and on throughout middle school. Whether that be through bullying, lack of social skills, parents' choice, I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine. Just like all of them, Ted had some sort of disability. My earliest memories of him were playing rec league football. He was never really good. I and my friends were all naturally gifted athletes, so he did not play much in the game. He was guaranteed at least 15 plays a game or something like that. He would always get super frustrated in practice when he had to tackle others. I was the quarterback, so I was also safety on defense, so I could definitely lay a hit. I distinctively remember this one time the coaches made him try and tackle me 10 to 15 times within 5 minutes, and he just could not do it. Now that you got the backstory of Ted, let us get closer to the occurrence. Ted was homeschooled for sure for my 4th and 5th grade years. This story took place in the 6th grade, so I remember thinking, Oh, Ted is back in school again. Anyways, I was definitely one of the popular kids all through high school and early on in my life. Admittedly, I was an ass on occasion. It was never the popularity that me and my friend group had, but it, it was more of just, I guess, a bad personality defect when I was younger. This was in sixth grade, so everyone knew everyone, but not everyone hung out with everyone. I would never exclude someone from our group, so Ted was more than welcome to play all sorts of games and such with us, varying from football to basketball to soccer. I have a bunch of distinct memories of him. All of them are bad, like the one time I got the football on him, so he punched me, or when we were playing lightning, which is basically a basketball game from when you were a kid. Anyways, the way we played was if you missed, you could hit the other's ball away and try to get them out or save yourself from someone getting you out. He thought we were just bullying him, but the rules were the rules. We were not singling him out by any means. Now that you got these stories, you can see this was a truly strange family. Azza's other two brothers were both mentally and physically challenged, but they were pretty sweet kids nonetheless. I always knew Azza as a weird kid, but not harmful by any stretch of the imagination. However, from my brother's perspective, he was a violent, verbally abusive 14-year-old. My brother told me a story one time that he grades Azza's math paper and he marked one question wrong, and Azza flipped three desks and tackled the teacher. This kid was very unstable. The rest will be told from Smith's perspective, my dad as previously mentioned. My dad had handled Azza several times, but nobody could have seen this coming. My dad got woken up at 1am on a Tuesday. He got dispatched just down the road and to the right. Whoever called this in was driving by Azza's parents' house. I guess Azza's parents weren't home this day. They said, I need cops to the address. It looks like a kid fell off his bike. 
He is very bloody and laying in the curb. I'm fairly sure he cracked his head open. Smith was the first one there. He saw the bloody kid on the curb, ran up to this 10-year-old boy, and saw he had not fallen off his bike. He had been stabbed repetitively. After Smith felt no pulse, he ran into the house, clearing the house looking for who had done this. The house was clear, and my dad discovered another body of one of the four-year-olds. This one was in the family room. Azza had killed them and ran away on foot, making it about a half a mile away, sitting at the Gorge Gym in bloody clothes. He had stabbed these mentally and physically challenged kids 116 times. While being interviewed, the detective asked, If you were going to kill your brothers, why not Ted as well? Azza responded, He was lucky he wasn't home, or he would have been next. Azza went on to get tried as an adult. He is currently in prison and got moved there earlier from an assault on another inmate in the juvenile detention center. The reason I'm writing this now is that my dad just shared with me something that Azza said to him at the police station. He looked my dad in the eyes and said, Better hope I don't get out. You have a boy the same age as the brother I didn't get to kill. I need someone of equal age. For privacy reasons, for me and those involved, I will not use real names, but for the sake of the story, let's just call me Caleb. I've experienced countless supernatural and unexplainable events as far back as I can remember, but this is one story that still, 20 years later, gives me nightmares. A little background on myself. I grew up in the southeastern United States in a small farm town where everyone knew everyone. I was going to my third grade year of school, and I was not the most social of kids, so I did not have a lot of friends. However, on the first day of school, I befriended a kid who had just moved into town named Billy. Billy was a quiet kid and mostly kept to himself, which I guess is why we got along so well. As time went on, he began to open and became a lot more energetic and talkative. All was well until one day Billy came to school and was a completely different person. He looked like he had not slept in a week and kept dozing off during class. At recess, I asked Billy what was wrong. His response still gives me chills. The man on my ceiling won't let me sleep. Dumbfounded, I asked, what do you mean? Every time I try to sleep, the man just shows up, and last night, he was on my ceiling. He would not stop staring at me. I tried to tell my mom, but she says I'm just dreaming. At this point, honestly, I thought he was joking with me. Then he looked at me and asked, Wait, what if you stayed at my house this weekend? If you saw it too, mom would believe us for sure. Um, okay, I'll ask my mom to make sure it's okay. Later that night, I got the okay from my mom, but I was still kind of creeped out by this whole thing, to be honest. The next day, I came to school and gave him the okay. He was still out of it, and he really had me worried about him. Later at lunch, I was talking to him when I glanced over and caught him fixated on the corner of the lunchroom wall. He looked horrified. Billy? Billy, are you okay? He didn't even acknowledge me. He just kept staring at the wall. I shook him. Billy! Finally, he looked at me with a cold look. You can't come this weekend. The man told me that if you come, he would hurt you. Speechless, I, I just looked at him. He dropped his head and went to stand up. I grabbed him and sat him back down. Billy, no. I don't know what's going on. 
but if someone is messing with you, we have to put a stop to them. I'm not scared of the creep. I, I said trying to sound tough. He looked at me and nodded. Later that night, I woke up to a noise coming from the corner of my bedroom. I went to sit up, but I was frozen. I could not move. I could not scream at all. All I could do was dash my eyes around back and forth. When suddenly, the ambient light from my room seemed to fade and the shadows shifted across my ceiling and down to the end of my bed. I felt my blanket slowly starting to be pulled off of me. When my eyes finally adjusted, I could make out this, this thing. It was hunched over, had dark pits for a mouth and eyes. It looked like the most hellish version of Dobby from Harry Potter that you could possibly imagine. It lifted its hand and placed it on my leg. Finally, I was so terrified that I managed to break the paralysis and screamed as if my life depended on it. The thing jumped back and faded into the shadows of my room. I ran until I face-planted into my parents' door. My dad came running out in his boxers and a gun. I told him there was someone in my room. He tore apart the entire house but never found anything. I didn't go back to sleep. The next day I was so terrified that I could not even look at Billy. As horrible as it sounds, I did not want anything to do with him because of this thing. As time went on, Billy eventually stopped trying to talk to me altogether. Now, before you hate me for this, remember I was a terrified little kid. And then, the day came where everything came to a head. We were at recess when I noticed Billy heading towards the door of the school. I carried on until my teacher approached me. Caleb, I don't know what's going on between you and Billy, but you two need to fix things. I want you to go back and check on him to make sure he's okay. Reluctantly, I agreed. As I walked back inside toward the classroom, I could hear a commotion coming from the bathroom. It was Billy. He was screaming bloody murder. I ran to the door, but it was somehow locked. No, get back. Leave me alone. I could hear him screaming from inside. I, I was trying to slam into the door to open it. I hit it multiple times and finally, I hit it and it slammed open, causing me to fall face first on the ground and slide in. I, I saw Billy sitting there in a fetal position whimpering. He jumped up and ran out of the bathroom. As I stood up, I nearly fell over again. I could not believe what I was seeing. There were footprints on the floor, the walls, and the ceiling. They were burned into the surface like they were branded into flesh. The prints were, to say the least, not human. The best way I can describe them is like miniature T-Rex tracks. I slowly backed out of the restroom and ran to my teacher. They ended up blaming Billy and expelling him for vandalizing school property and arson. Shortly after, Billy and his family moved away, and I never saw him again. To this day, I suffer nightmares from this thing, and the incident is now a local legend for kids attending the school. It took me years to be able to sleep in a room by myself after this. As for Billy goes, I've never heard from him ever again. I really hope he got the help he needed. The moral of the story, be careful of what you dabble in. You may just bring something home that you didn't want. This happened to me and my friend Alex about a year ago in March of 2020. We both attended a school on California's central coast. One weekend in April, Alex invited me to join him on a drive a few cities up north where he was picking up a dog he was interested in fostering. Once we picked up the dog, who was a very sweet boy, we decided to drive a bit further north to eat before heading back down to south to go home. We ordered ahead, 
and once we arrived and picked up our food, dine-in regulations were already in place because of COVID. Both new to the area, we Google a nearby park and go out there to eat. We pull up to the pretty empty park. This is in a small town, except there's like maybe one other person and he's parked on a curb. We quickly walk a few feet to a bench and set up our food. We tie the dog to a public barbecue grill next to us and we begin to eat. We're almost immediately approached by a man with the intent on talking to us. He specifically asks about the dog, how old he is, his nature, is he mean, does he bite, etc. Alex is busy answering the man's questions while trying to eat his food and calm the dog down and eventually shifts his attention only to the dog. The conversation ends but the man stands there for a minute or two just staring at us. I only notice because Alex is still making sure the dog wasn't trying to escape. We both, however, agree that the conversation was kind of weird. Anyway, the man walks away towards a shaded area next to the restrooms under a large canopy type thing. A lot of parks in California have these. I notice that he sits with another man that I didn't notice previously, but I don't think much of it. At this point, the dog is still being troublesome, but I continue to eat. I begin to feel like we're being watched and look over and the two men are just staring at us, not talking at all. I think it's weird and I'm starting to feel a bit creeped out. Alex is still struggling with the dog and when I look over again, I only see one of the men, the one who hadn't approached us. And when I look again, the one who did approach us is hiding behind a vending machine, poking his head out to look at us and I catch him. Without hesitating, I tell Alex to grab his stuff and get in the car. He doesn't question me and we gather our stuff and put it in his car. As we do, the man sitting down and watching us approaches us and as soon as we get into the car he begins to talk to us too about the dog and his temperament. He asks if he's protective and if he bites. Alex barely answers him and he starts the car. The man then walks past our car and gets into the car parked behind us where someone has been inside watching us the entire time from just a few feet away without either of us realizing. Over the next 10 to 15 minutes, we pull out of the parking lot and the other car does too, out of the same exit. We immediately fear that they might be following us, so Alex does a random series of turns until we end up in a neighborhood and sure enough, the car is still behind us, trailing us. They're tailgating us at this point and we're both freaked out, so we do a few more random turns until we enter a roundabout, in which Alex, who is a very poor driver, eventually gets them to lose us. Very stupidly, we map another park for us to finish eating at and arrived at the park with a good amount of people only a few streets away. We park, sit on a bench, and keep eating. Maybe five minutes later, Alex notices the same car enter the parking lot and they park near where we're eating. No one exits the car and we just grab our stuff and leave, this time down south. The car starts to pull out too, but luckily, we enter the street first and get ahead until they can't see us. I don't know what was going to happen. Those creeps just really freaked me out. Just be careful when you go to random small towns. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true small town horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me add a ton in the YouTube algorithm. If you're listening on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating as that helps the show a ton over there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us 
hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video. I upload them almost every single day and all things natural and supernatural. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it's a scary story from a small town or something completely different, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're out and about and on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Audible, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And as I stated, it's free and always will be. If you guys would like to support the show outside of subscribing, hitting that like button, and maybe giving the podcast a five-star rating, possibly check out the merch store. I've got everything from face masks to t-shirts to hoodies, and I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. I'd probably have to say that first one was mine. Being from a small town myself, I've had so many creepy encounters with unexplained things and some just downright creepy people. No matter where you live, there is no true safe space out in life, whether it's a city, being in the middle of the woods, or a small town. There's always an ever-present danger, whether it be Mother Nature, the great outdoors, or just other people. Thanks everyone, as always, for supporting the swamp the way you do. I couldn't do this on a daily basis without your guys' support. It's really, really appreciated. If you guys would like to contact me and get to know me better or just send in your stories, again, swampdweller.net is the way to do that. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm definitely always down to talk and get to know you guys. You can find all those links in the description down below. Thank you guys once again, and I'll see you soon with another creepy video. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.